podcast. I don't know what number we're up to. I just go by Prime Ministers now. I just see life as consecutive Prime Ministers. I just, I, like, if it's three years, like, if it's like three and a half years, I'll just go, oh yeah, that's Deacon. That's a de- that's, that's Deacon. Yeah. That's a Deacon. <laughs> that's a Deacon. Or if it's Menzies or what, 16, 16 <laughs> years? Oh uh, yeah, he was in there for a little while, was he? Oh man. I don't know. All Menzies. I know of them is that they have suburbs named after them when they're eternal. <laughs> that's their <laughs> legacy. In my mind, that's literally well, their legacy. Well, that's an interesting point you bring up for our <coughs> Prime Minister for today, which is no other than the late and great Joseph Cook. Um, again, not pff, Jack all on this guy, man. Yeah, he's got his own suburb. Does he? Yeah, Cook. Cook? Or is I mean, he named after Captain Cook? No, I wouldn't. No. Well, technically, in my research, he is technically the only Prime Minister that doesn't have an electorate named after him. Oh, really? Yeah, so... They, they just missed him? No, well, they had Captain Cook, so they got one that would, that was named after Captain Cook. Mm. So he kind of came in and, <laughs> and took it. And what's interesting is um, Cook, so it's spelled C-O-O-K, right? His name. Yeah. But he changed it. It had an E on the end of it because he's like weird primitive Methodist. He dropped it. Apparently, that's a thing you do in primitive Methodist. Wait, so he, he, I, don't, I mean, I've never heard that term before. But primitive Methodist is what an offshoot of Methodist. Yeah, it's it. Yeah, it, it was like big back in like the, the like turn of the century. Right. I've no idea. I I I think I mentioned this last podcast. I went down a rabbit hole and just looking at denominations of Christianity and the offshoots. It. It is well documented on, on Wikipedia for some reason. But yeah, primitive... I can't even describe what primitive method is, is. But it's pretty full on to the fact that as some sort of, I don't know, ritual or, or agreement or like to show you solidarity of the religion, he just dropped the E huh. at the end of his name. I would have thought, first thought would have been political move to get a natural association with Captain Cook. Right, James Cook? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that, like, you know, oh, look, I come from a storied lineage. And back in the day, who's going to try and prove you wrong, right? Like, yeah. I mean, there probably would be someone out there still. But, you know, a lot harder, to, a lot easier to get away with it back in the day. So, yeah. I would assume that. But there you go. All right, so no, See, no electorate named after him. I'm just, Does he have I'm just, something? I'm just imagining this guy now because he's, like, so hip with branding. He, he He's, like, <laughs> he's like a big marketer. He's <laughs> His, his new his new last name's Nike. So. He uh, he rides <laughs> a hoverboard to to Palmer House. <laughs> um, so, so he's got he's well into crypto. Oh. Crypto. Uh, we yeah, could, cool. we, we could have a podcast on crypto. I'll talk about crypto. Let's talk about crypto. It would be like the opposite of this podcast where I know jack shit. Yeah. And tell me everything. <laughs> um, so when was cooking in? in so in, he, uh, what do you call it? In office? Do we say is? It, can we correct that right? Right now, do we say a prime minister is he in office, or is that really an American yeah. presidential kind of? I think it. Or can you get away I've, with it? And it doesn't matter. I'm overthinking it. I think you're right. I think it is more of an American thing. Um, but I, it's a good question. I haven't really noticed. I don't think it's a huge thing. I think if people use it, they use it, and people know what you're talking about. But I don't know. Like we just, we use we say terms. Um. We just say the job. I but think. do we have a the top job? We don't have a governmental job. body for the Australian Prime Minister. We have the office of the Prime Minister. You know what I mean? The office of the, the president. That's a, that's 
We've got the ministry. Where That's is it? good enough. Minister of what? ministry. Of the, yeah. Is it? Yeah, man. Ministry. Mm-hmm. I think you might. Prime Minister and Cabinet. Prime Minister and Cabinet. That's right. It's not the Ministry of the Prime Minister, though. Like that's it's close enough. Like they're probably doing a lot of his speeches. They're like dealing with his day to day. I would imagine. That's where I think West Wing has really screwed me up. In that mm. the majority of your top guys are just sitting there writing just speeches for the next couple of years. That's what yeah. it felt like. That like Rob Lowe was just doing that whole show you've never watched west wing have you i watched no i watched it i watched it until rob Lowe left and then i stopped watching it oh god yeah rob Lowe, he really was the anchor of that show but anyway he yeah really he seems was. to just be just be writing speeches you know mm. and correcting words that whole show anyway i don't like that show i i think it's I overly I idealistic yeah, that's yeah, what it gets yeah. to me you know what i mean like it yeah. was i think it particularly now i don't know why maybe the shape of the world's changed so or, or maybe i've changed but i i notice it far more as like a leftist ideology oh, spruiking it's a leftist wonderland yeah like, and and the way that they yeah like looking like watching it again it's like they're hitting you in the head with a hammer yeah about the ideology that's and that's right. all sorkin stuff like i can't like i can't do sorkin i like the so the only thing i like of sorkin is the social network uh did that's he did thing. that yeah we wrote it there you go and then fincher directed it and i think that's what makes it so different didn't Trent Reznor do the uh, probably yeah. is that from what a trifecta wants <laughs> <laughs> awards it's not so. uh, okay so let's let's talk about what's uh, his first name Joe Cook Joseph Joseph yeah um, interesting interesting kind of guy only served a year year one year and 55 days in, in office um, <laughs> and uh, this guy I think we I think I did mention this again last episode was someone who Change their beliefs throughout their entire career. Uh, yeah, you have. Yeah, you mentioned this. Yeah, he flip flop like no other. He was first Labor, then Independent, Free Trade, Commonwealth, Liberal, and then Nationalist after nineteen seventeen. So within the span of like less than twenty years, or just just over twenty years, he had been a part of forming or been a founder in some of the biggest parties in Australia, but continuously wasn't loyal to any one of them like he was kind of just progressively making his views more conservative as he went along and just went with a party that fit his views yeah okay yeah it's funny you get in, you didn't get he got into politics without really understanding his own politics yeah that's interesting but he was i mean strangely loyal I mean, even though how can you how can those two things are mutually exclusive I know but, <laughs> but he kind of was everyone described him as that I think once he had kind of settled into um, his I think once people got a, a view of what he can do or what, what he's capable of he, he, he kind of slotted into that but then also yeah then it did cost him a lot of jobs because people couldn't really understand where he stood or where, mm. what level of conservatism He'll bring to play. This is, you're talking about he swapped a lot of he swapped a, between a lot of parties over the course of his political life, not just during his prime ministers. <laughs> I mean, he couldn't have done it when he was a prime minister, right? Like he was no. one party during his well, one year, fifty five days. No, I mean he didn't have long enough to do it. Give him another three years, he might have. I don't but know. if you swap parties and you're prime minister, let's just say that's a hypothetical, right? Anthony Albanese mm-hmm. swaps parties, becomes a liberal. He can't be prime minister anymore. Yeah, that's right. 
Yeah. So he has to hand that off to his deputy. Yeah, who's doing that? <laughs> no one's doing that. You may as well change it from the top as opposed to, you know, yeah. grassroots from the other party that you have to start at the bottom of. Yeah, that's right. And imagine, well, I think we spoke about this last week as well. Imagine if you tried to do that today, no one would trust you. Yeah. This guy ha- did it seven times. Well, he's lucky he got in, and I'll get to that. I think out of all of them we've covered so far, they worked the room or they had some talents or they were just in the right place at the right time. But for the most part, a lot of them worked hard to get there. I think he he only got Prime Minister because he got one vote. More than? More than Forrest, John Forrest, when there were... Um, I'll, I'll get to it at the moment. Like, like a leadership spill or something? No, it's just like, yeah, for the... Uh, for the leader of the Liberal Party. He only won by one vote, um, which is crazy. Hmm. So he, he could have very easily have not been Prime Minister. Um, but yeah, let's, let's talk about him. So he was born in England, a big coal miner guy, very much into labour back in the day, um, had like a shitload of kids. I think he, he himself was like second of seven children. Ugh, boo. Uh, yeah, he began working in the coal mines at the age of nine. It's fucking crazy. That's like my daughter just picking up a fucking pickaxe. Just going in. <laughs> it's crazy. That's a really funny like thought. Yeah, <laughs> just putting it in the cap. It just comes out the, the soot all over the face. Yeah. Um, nine. It's so depressing because like his dad was killed in a pit accident. Imagine it's a mining thing. Yeah, right? it's a mining term. And I like I googled it and it's a pit accident. It's like all F1 accidents, like in the pit. Oh no, yeah. <laughs> um So it wasn't nice pit another, another visual there. Um But yeah, so he had to become like a weight like the family wage earner. At nine years old, you mean? Uh what time? Uh he would have been no, I think at the at this stage he was like thirteen. So he was born in nineteen eighteen sixty. And his dad died in 1873. So he he was kind of like the man of the house. Right. Um, so that kind of instilled like a self-confidence, um, or a, str- a strong sense of obligation. Um, and then, yeah, he got really into um, Christianity and prim- primitive Methodism, became like a lay preacher. I was like very much a very stoic person. Didn't like music, didn't like having fun, wasn't very jovial, very serious, very dour, humorless as well. These it's quite... Whip smart. Are these traits typically associated with Methodists? Or is Probably. this just a him thing? No, that's just a him thing throughout. Um, and then he... So they, he had five sons and three daughters. Mm-hmm. And then they mm-hmm. moved to Lithgow um, oh, yes, in 1887. Before they had a Maccas there. Yeah, right? It's the only reason to go to Lithgow. Sorry, Lithgow. I don't, yeah, actually, Lithgow's got a bad rep. Probably, probably for the best. <laughs> I mean, what's his rep? I don't know if it's got a rap. I just, I, well, it's got it's, the prison there, and they make it. That's where all the no, bullets. Is there are. a jail? And I don't think it's. I think you think of Bathurst Jail. I think there's another jail near Lithgow. I think there's multiple jails <laughs> around the area. Yeah, they're like past the Blue Mountains. Like, let's put all the jails over there. I'm bringing that bitch up. Um, and I know they've got like a lot of. I'm not sure anymore about ammunition factories. They used to make a lot of ammunition back in the day around that area. That's true. Yes, I do remember. Anyway, Pop talking about it. <laughs> so he was he strongly supported free trade and was a founding member of the Labour Party in in eighteen ninety one. Okay, so he's got his roots in Labour, very much a working class dude. Um, eighteen ninety one. Yeah. Well, ten years before the Federation. This is yeah, and that's the establishment of Labour. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. 
Uh, and then so he, he was under all Labour pre- uh, Prime Ministers up until that point too. Like he like served under... I can't remember who the Labour Prime Ministers we've discussed up to this point are, but he would have served under all of them. No, he jumped around... Oh, that's of course... Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's, he's, yeah, he ended up in the friggin' Labour Party at some point, but he wasn't the Prime Minister as a Labour leader. No, he was a Liberal guy. Oh my fucking God. He was a Liberal guy. He started the Labour Party with those people, with other yes. people, and then decided... <laughs> I was Imagine, wrong. That's crazy to think We set down a charter for the Lib- for the Labour Party, and I now disagree with everything in the world. And it was like crazy. Under in little than twenty years, that he that that entire switch happened. How old was he? Well, How when was he born? So, sorry. So he's born in eighteen sixty. So he would have been like in his forties. Well, he was. 1860, he was, he was 31 when he joined the late, when he started the Labour yeah. Party. But when, by the time he's Prime Minister and, um, yeah. But he's uh, like, that's still pretty young. For but 40s, it's not, 50s, it's yeah. not young enough. Like, if you had said to me when I was 18 years old, what are your, like, political beliefs? And when you ask me now, I have different political beliefs. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I probably won't have that drastic Winning, different yeah. beliefs in... Between the ages of oh, 30 dude, I'm locked and 45. In, which is scary. Yeah, my political, My political belief, like, like, I'm a... <laughs> If everyone knew what exactly I felt about, like in terms of politics, like uh, I would be like banished, man. So in this in this culture, wait, what? I I I'm misinterpreting your political. Let's not get into it. Let's not get into it. You know I what think, I mean? Yeah, I don't people know. are sensitive. As people I'm are sensitive. I agree, but I I what I'm saying is I don't think your political beliefs border. On offensive, if that's what you're insinuating, I think you're. I think you're fine. <laughs> I don't think you're. In, you're in any worry of being, you know, brought before the woke police. And I was gonna go. Well, I believe, and I was gonna say something really, really wrong, and now like, oh, people are gonna misinterpret that, so I just won't say it. <laughs> <laughs> Not even as a joke. Yeah. It's a political podcast, man. It's a. Yeah. It's a tough gig. Hey, all I'm saying is, if you want to play Harry Potter, that new Harry Potter game, then you go for it. That's all I'm saying. I feel like there's a reference that I don't, <laughs> I'm not picking up on. Maybe there. not. There's a whole controversy about that Harry Potter. Look, we're going we're going in the weeds here, but we can talk about that off mic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I haven't heard anything about that. <laughs> oh, what? Do I? I don't watch any news. That's, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's too depressing. I love it how like you've probably taken it too far. The fact that this, the the idea of this podcast is you just don't you're not informed at all, but like you're not you're not informed yourself about anything. Not just prime ministers, no, no, everything, right. everything yeah. now. Like world climate. Yeah. Right? Like like someone said to me, I think um Joe, you know, like the Ukraine the war in Ukraine has been happening yeah. for over a year now. And I was like, oh yeah, time flies. Yeah. But like I don't haven't you know, I don't keep up to date with anything in movement. People are still fighting there. Not that I oh, don't yeah, appreciate yeah, yeah. their like plight. I'm just yeah. saying it's you know it's not within my sphere of... I don't think it's a controversial statement to say no one gives a shit anymore. No, I only care about the fact that because of... Apparently, because of the war in Ukraine, every single item in the like shopping centres is going up in price, but I can't quite grasp that. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, they make a lot of potatoes there or whatever. I don't know. That, I understand chips. Globalism. Yeah, but like, why is the price of milk going up? My milk's made like... 100 kilometers away maximum. Tell me why my milk's going up in price, Chris. I have no idea. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make it. Yeah. What? Yes. Maybe we should get an expert on. <laughs> like an, a prime minister. Like an expert in like do you, prime minister history. And imagine go, if we get Can you explain inflation to us? <laughs> do you think that should be like 
season 10's gold they have a prime minister on oh my god I would love that that'd be so funny which one which okay we'll put this in maybe well well, we're gonna I mean we're gonna cover them all dead ones or real life ones Uh, it's a two part answer (laughs) if you could have any prime minister dead and any prime minister alive who would you have on the podcast together? That's even better together. Oh, they, we have to invite them together. Like yeah, a, yeah, yeah. They like, and they could, they could. One could be, one has to be alive, one has to be dead. Yeah, okay. Howard Holt, because it's more oh of a conspiracy God, theory a type thing. And they use your dead guy now. Yeah, well, I don't care about anyone else. Um, you know, I what I don't, I don't want to talk to Menzies about what he did for sixteen years. That sounds boring. I want to talk to Howard Holt, who was in for like eighty days and got eaten by a shark. Maybe kind of cool, or taken yeah. by Japanese mini subs. Um, and then living, crazy. probably Rudd, because I think he has, like, the saddest story. Mm. You reckon? Yeah, I read him talking to, to a, I was reading, a like, a, an interview that he did, and it, say, it sounded very sad. It's, like, the whole thing. It's pretty like, crippling. He, got, right? he oh. got, like, backstabbed, like, more times than I think we know about. But did he bring it upon himself? Like, you know... But that's, the, that's, that's why I want to talk to him. Yeah. But he was the first Prime Minister I ever voted for, too. Yeah. Or, like... Yeah, well, I think I probably did vote for him. I can't remember who... I, I definitely would have voted for him. It was, like... I was, like, 17. I was just uh, just 18, right? Yeah, So, yeah. yeah. I think everyone... Well, he's a landslide. Everyone... Like, most people voted for him. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, those are my two. Interesting. Wouldn't be... Cook. <laughs> Joe... Would you invite Joe? Deacon. No. Deacon would have to be yours, what? right? Someone who doesn't gamble. He's like the most humorless of the... He was dubbed the most humorless of the Prime Ministers. Humorless of all Prime Ministers. There's a rating that they give to Prime Ministers. <laughs> yeah, apparently, yeah. Oh, man, I'd love to see that data. Yeah, it's it's like it's like a formula like of like how many stubbies can they do <laughs> in one city? How many scene? eyeglasses? Yeah, that's right. but that's weighted differently, right? It's yeah, like it's yeah, like it's an exponential scale based on the amount of beer you can drink in one sitting. Yeah, and no and no policies factor into it. Like nothing that they did. It's just it's just personality. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't. I, I like that data. Um. Anyway, let's get. Oh, sorry. Wait, do you want to tell me who your two prime ministers would oh, be? Yeah, I was just thinking about when you're trying to. It had to be Deacon, that? like, you know, he's seancing and then, you know, oh, the defense yeah. of the Jack the Ripper guy and, like... I want to know what he sounds like and, like, like his, his tonality and his... Because like, we, we don't have anything of that, yeah. really. Um, yeah. Or would you want to have a drink with Edmund Barton? Nah, piss, piss I, think, I think... Is it Pisspot Barton? Pisspot Barton? Because I don't think everyone described Deacon as being... Because he had it all kind of, like, he, he wasn't described as humorless, so he had a bit of wit to him and... Kind of a smart guy. And but he was like the House of Cards guy of the of that era, of probably all of Australian, not all of Australian, but of that era of maybe Australian politics. He like, he was playing 3D chess when everyone was playing checkers, right? That's, yeah. how, that's what I think about Deacon. Yeah. It's just based on the limited information I know about him. And all the alive ones, none. I can't think of one that I want to... You wouldn't want to sit down with like... Scomo and just talk to him about his trip to Hawaii. No. And just be like, dude, what? Come on. Like, seriously, what What did you think was going to happen there? Maybe. I want I Out of all of them, like Gillard, I probably want to talk to the most. What about Abbott? No. Nah. He ate that onion that time. Don't you want to get a sense of the man himself? No, you know what I'm thinking of? Like, I just don't want to get anyone who's too alpha, and they're all fucking alphas, obviously. Everyone's heard Rudd's story. And probably, but we've probably heard of a lot of her story too back in the day. But like, I want to get an update. I want to see what she's up to. That actually, really, that's a really good point. 
because yeah. I kind of know what Rudd's been up to. Yeah, because yeah, he's, he's been a, a, around. He's like a political uh, advisor for for China, China relations type deal. And um, yeah, I wonder where Julia Gillard is doing these days. You probably find her on LinkedIn. Yeah, it's true. Just live. Did I tell you the story? I used to live when we used to live in Kingston. Uh, she she used to live near us. I'm not sure exactly where because you just see her walking around like on like jogging and stuff not as a prime minister it was like dude it was like a week or two before she became prime minister oh before really before it went down yeah it's kind of cool i was like yeah she she smiled at me and i was like ah, i know you <laughs> well, what are you doing in that situation especially like politicians because like you go up to her and go oh, i got okay, you 30 seconds you're trying to elevate a pitch like for a political says maneuver the, says the guys that were doing a fucking podcast about prime ministers we wouldn't go up to them like fanboys. <laughs> I I don't have any interest in that. I actually really, really dislike that kind of behaviour. Me too. Actually, think about. It. I've never really done it before, even if I had the opportunity. I, I just would do it. Oh, because I know that if it was me, I'd be like. Actually, do you know what? If I was really famous, I would be. I'd be try to be as courteous as I possibly could be to everyone. Yeah. Like like the Matt Damon. You know, there's like there's a couple of celebrities out there that they just go above and beyond and they take a photo with everyone before they move on if they can. Yeah. Right. I would try and do that, but I think that would. I think you'd get jack of it very quickly. Oh, absolutely. You see, all those like celebs have been doing it for for years, and yeah, like Hugh Grant, he like. Literally would, like, if he could get away with it, he'd kill them. Like, he just <laughs> hates them that much. I did see Leonardo DiCaprio go up to... I'm going to have to cut some of this out, but... did see Leonardo DiCaprio go up to Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill was just, like, standing next to a shop, like, like waiting for an Uber or... I don't know. But then Leonardo DiCaprio saw him and runs over to him with his phone oh, up in his face. And then, like, you know, you can see... Leo's got that, like, boyish... Likeness, or I guess it's the being signal for most of your fucking life probably doesn't go away, but that like yeah. roguishness. Because yeah. like that photo of him with the with the, with the water gun, <laughs> that's my favorite photo. I think he's. Which we go, we're gonna get a video just so if I can pose like Leo in that photo. It's like makes me so happy. Um, all right, all right, let's get back to it. Uh, okay, so he was involved in a lot of labor politics. Um, got like he got elected in the New South Wales Legislative Assembly back before Federation began, so he's getting that experience in. But so he's in for about three years, doing quite well. Then Labor has their uh, big caucus. What they, they call it? What they call it? They call the Labor Pledge. So this is in eighteen ninety four, and we've we've talked about this a little bit. It's this pledge that all members of labor have to sign where um they have to make a decision to like be bound by the decisions of parliamentary labor caucus so mm-hmm. they all have to kind of vote and they all have to decide on one thing together they all can't go off and do different things like once is this still a thing today i think it, it must well yeah it kind of is you get you get very few people crossing the aisle nowadays yeah okay um so he refused to sign it He's like, no. <laughs> He's like, no, I'm not doing it. Uh, and then, and there was a few others who did as well, and they just didn't see the, they just didn't see the benefit of it. Well, they so, felt like they were being held to ransom or something. Like, well, yeah, kind of, it, it kind of flew in the face of, um, from what I'm, from what I'm gathering, if I was in that position, so let's start a new fucking government for this con- giant continent. We can 
bring about all these liberal ideas or conservative ideas from everywhere. And we don't have to choose one thing. We can kind of formulate together from different viewpoints, right? Yeah. And when you get like a big, like a third of the people who want to try and run in government voting for the same thing, it kind of flies in that face, right? Especially when you want to do something different. Yeah, I see what you're saying. It's it's overly dominating and unfair yeah. To, to the representatives or, or to the citizens of all the pe- areas that, that don't have that power. I get yeah. you. Yeah, and yeah, today yeah. it's normal because you, you know what you're signing up for, but back then they literally didn't know. <laughs> they were they just were making it on this, up on the spot. True. Um, so he didn't like it. He went to the next um, colony election as like in, independent labor. Like uh, like he didn't have in side with one you know, left or right or center or whatever. I just went, I'm just going to be labor by myself. Um, so, but he quickly kind of got over that. I think a little bit of a bit of taste in his mouth with the, with the labor party. And he accepted a position of postmaster general in the re government. So when re came into power, Oh, we said that that was a fairly, um, important position back in the day, right? It was like about yeah. pretty much how you, how the how the country communicated, and right? he was good at it because he was like, he's like a born public servant, humorless. He's like the Gilliman of <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, like he's, he's, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's, he's all right. He's got pretty much everything, but he's damn can he administrate? Oh damn, he can administrate, especially when it comes to postmaster stuff. Cool. Okay. Um. Good so this was a this came with a fifteen hundred pound a year, um, salary. Was that big at the time? Well, I think it's a lot. Yeah, I think it's like on top of whatever you get as being a member. But all the Labour guys were like, that's shit. Like, oh, they really? thought that was a betrayal of the party because he was still Labour. Reid just asked him, I'm assuming because he was good at it and, and knew his shit and knew, and knew how to do that stuff. Um, yeah, so they never forgave him for that. Um, and this is the start of when he was leaning towards more conservative stuff. Less labor, less more progressive, less more socialist. He he definitely was beginning to lean towards more of individual kind of philosophy, and and very much around liberalism. Um, yeah. Okay. He got and he also got on with Reed as well. So, I mean, doesn't hurt. Yeah. You get you. I mean, you want to work with your mates, right? Oh yeah, I was thinking about that today. <laughs> Man, it's a, it's a double-edged sport, sword for sure. But I think ultimately everyone wants to work with their mates. Gee, okay, that was fifteen hundred pounds in like yeah, in like this is in eighteen nineties. Oh, this is this is then. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna go back. I was doing I was doing nineteen oh eight. Eighteen ninety. Let's go eighteen ninety eight. It would have been a lot of money for Australian. It's dude, it's crazy. It's two hundred fifty thousand pounds apparently. Yeah, fifteen hundred pounds in eighteen ninety eight. In 1898, yeah, I must have 1898. Um, so, yeah. Equivalent of purchasing power of two, uh, yeah, sorry, quarter of a million pounds. Some say he did more as postmaster than he did as prime minister, which isn't hard. But he's an exemplary, exemplary public servant, they say. He was an administrator who gave close attention to detail, implemented government policy of retrenchment and public service, expanded the telephone network, completed the line between Sydney and Newcastle. He issued charity post stamps, and he also introduced postmen to bicycles. Ooh, yeah, that's, that's kind of cool. I was just walking around for, <laughs> yeah, for this country time. Imagine that. Oh, Jesus, I got. Oh, sorry, honey, I'm not going to be back for a week. I got to walk to the next town. Like, 
Yeah. Well, they had horses, I guess. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I forget. I forget. Um, so we're coming up to Federation. Oh, sorry. I thought I nearly freaked out because I thought we were stop recording. Um, we're fine. Uh, so Federation sneaks up. He was a bit slower to see the value, like a lot of prime ministers back in this day. They really didn't see the value in it, especially when Reed was like flip flopping as well. So mm-hmm. he's quite close and loyal to Reed. So when Reed's like, I don't know, and so he's like, Well, yeah, all right, I don't know either. He's kind of like one of those guys. He couldn't, he couldn't pinpoint. He, he just very, like went he very much took direction from who was in charge, and that's a that's a very again a public servant kind of yeah. trait. That's a that's a public servant trait that you that for people who are terminal at a certain level, they don't reach the highest heights of our public service. Well, again, that's why he's lucky he got in. Yeah, um, he kind of doesn't deserve all that trip. <laughs> yeah, and so there was another opportunity. I think re- I think he was gunning for like deputy prime minister for in Reed's um, government, but Reed didn't really trust him too much to do that because oh. because of his slide into into more conservative views because he wasn't because he knew that he let he obviously knew that he wasn't really part of labor anymore and it was because of his different values but reed had similar values and the free traders also had similar values to kind of labor yeah even though they were very anti-labor um there's still some things that they valued particularly free trade and yeah uh but he still, but Reed still thought that Cook wasn't in that kind of arena. He wasn't. He 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 saw the yeah, those, like one foot out the door. Kind yeah, of thing. and he was. He, he was kind of, yeah. He, was, he, he he apparently was several times over. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so he was persuaded to run in the new federal seat of Parramatta, which all, at that time. Went from all the way to Lithgow. <laughs> Holy so shit, stay, yeah, really? Yeah. So he could still... Well, I guess what sit. was there, right? Nothing. Yeah. Um, he ran he, and he was unopposed by Labour, so he won easily. Um, because I think he just had been living there for so long. and was such a fixture in Lithgow. Like, he built a big house in Lithgow. He was like part of the community. And he was very much tethered to, to Lithgow. So he's very much uh, a big guy there. So, that, so everyone kind of knew him. Um... But then he did he did move to Marrickville, and then he joined Reed on the opposition bench when the when Federation happened and everyone everyone came on. Um, yeah, so that's kind of his early start, uh, kind of in that Federation day. What else is there? What else can I talk about? Oh, so this was like his start to being very much in the opposition for most of his career because like that's what he was to up right up until like prime minister he was at, like being a backbencher or like being on the position opposition bench you know arguing with the other side mm-hmm. um so he built those muscles and he was known to be really ruthless and like in his speeches like very cutting and like very direct all right um, i'm coming i'm coming around to joseph now. <laughs> yeah. that's a trait i appreciate um, yeah, that's what they said. So, uh, so biographers, not his biographer, Deacon's biographer wrote, um, that the years in opposition kind of held him back a bit. Um, and they said if there were, if there had been any roots of gen- geniality in his, in his nature, their growth had been inhibited by years in opposition. So 
from what, what I'm saying is that, uh, from, from what I'm gathering from that is that um, he'd been hardened so long sitting in your position that he really didn't see the need to be kinder or genial towards other people. Like, even when he's getting more successful and, and became, you know, he got into the big job, he, he still was still, still ruthless. Yeah, still he was still hard and he didn't yeah. like change his political. Which I thought that was really interesting. That's their interpretation, which I, I kind of get. Um, yeah. He was ruined. <laughs> He's broken. He was a broken man. Um, so in 1908, he became the leader of the Free Trade Party after Reid retired. Mm-hmm. So he's now Labour, and now he's actually the leader of the Free Traders. And, that, and then a year later... <laughs> a year later... A he, year. He became a deputy leader and minister for defence in the Liberal Party when they, when they formed together. Interesting. So he served in Deacon's ministry. Ministry? Yeah. Is that what we call them? Yeah. Okay. Um, just sounds like a church type thing. Ministry. I know. Doesn't it? That's the, I was just thinking that like a lot of religion and, and the being prime minister go hand in hand. I mean, in the prime early... Minister? Movie. God, what? Like an idiot. Like that's the biggest one of all, isn't it? You're a minister. Yeah. Like a yeah, that's nuts. Okay, fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say it before they do. Oh, you didn't realize, minister. Yeah, and I didn't I'm stop listening. To this <laughs> <laughs> what an idiot, man! Um, I just hate to, the, the the intention of this weird intention of this podcast was because um, you know the name is quite benign. And that's for a reason because we're quite fun. I mean, we're, we're stating facts, but uh, I mean, most of this podcast is bullshit. That's what I love about <laughs> it. It's like someone wants, oh, I want, a, I want a serious deep dive on Deacon. Let's listen to this podcast. <laughs> and it's just like, it's <laughs> some D&D campaign. <laughs> so good. Got him. Do you know what that reminds me of? It's yeah. a little bit of a tangent. Not a little bit. It's a very big tangent. But I once went and saw a movie called you probably heard of it in Bruges mm-hmm. right and it was you know that particularly artsy sort of swanky cinema and it was so funny because I went with a girl and I didn't really know what kind of movie it was going to be either like, I knew it was going to be sort of like a comedy and I love that movie I think it's so hilarious and <clears throat> I was laughing more than I think I've ever laughed in a movie in my life and some of the stuff in that movie is fairly like he punches a woman. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> and I just like, I was like on the floor. It's a pretty edgy movie for its day. Yeah. yeah. And, but what I, what I didn't realize until about halfway through the movie is that it, I was laughing so loud. And everyone was looking at me and they were all old people who went to this movie because they thought it was a movie about Bruges, not yeah. about like this dark comedy aspect to it they just thought it was like a nice sort of and then i'm like guy punches a woman out i'm that's hilarious and uh, and the girl i was with was like mortified and um come on i looked at all these old people they got up and left they all started leaving not because of me but like they started just being like so funny yeah so is it in brute is it like some sort of like like, is it a thing that old people know like in brute like yeah it's like a it's like a massively historical town yeah right village or i don't even know what you it's a it's fairly large from what i understand fucking dumb idiots but it's like don't watch a trailer in that life i mean in the in the movie they make fun of it it's like a place for old people to go and yeah you know like oh look the lights in the buildings Uh and 
and and then I kind of like it's that's it makes great. fun of them to their faces. So and anyway, great movie. Uh, <laughs> I gotta watch it again. I haven't seen it in so long. I watched it probably like six weeks ago. His other movies are great as well. Who's like Three Billboards Outside of Billings? Something I can't remember. Misery. Oh yeah, I haven't seen that. Three Billboards. It's good. It's got a bunch of good people in it too. Okay. Yeah, it's Sam great. Rockwell and. Uh, who's the lady in that? The main character lady and, um, I don't know. That's about it. <laughs> There's a few people in it, I think, right? Yeah. Uh, it's got Woody Harrelson, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Uh, I'm trying to think of these other movies. Anyway, I always, it's one of those guys I love, but I can't remember who made it, like the guy, the actual guy. It's not the guy who did, um, train spotting. Nah. No, no, no. It's something different. Um, anyway. Anyway. So, um... Let's get to what he did. The, the pinnacle of his career, if if uh, I'd be so bold. Oh, really? Prime Minister. I mean, is it really like? Is it really a pinnacle? Is it a pinnacle compared to other prime ministers? For him, probably. I mean, how could it not? Right? How could it not? What do you mean? Well, even back then, they could have thought being prime minister was like a pretty sick job. Yeah, I mean, you're in charge of a country. Relatively new country. I don't know. Is it? Do you think that they would have? I guess. Yeah. I guess. Yes. Yes. I mean, look. If someone said, "Hey, Matt, do you want to be in charge of?" I don't know a government department. I'd be like mm-hmm. stoked. Like that's a fairly huge honor. Yeah. Right. That's not Australian country. That's not a country. That's not like one of the largest countries by area in the world. Yeah. That's pretty stoked. You've got to be pretty stoked. I'm okay. I'm on board now. You think about like the environment. You're in your bunch of like bunch of dudes. They're all alphas. They all want. They all want talking, love drinking, love debating, scotch in their offices. Yeah, that's all they do time. most of the day. And form little clubs and groups and break off and yeah. Like if you're not if you if you're there and you don't want the top job, then you probably want, don't want to be there at all. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, it would just been a fun time. Yeah. Make it up and making it all up as you go. Like creating a country from that's what have been the ground. Like what? That's, what, what are we gonna? What are we gonna do? What laws are we gonna create? It's probably gets the heart of why I like Deegan because he, pro- he. It seemed like it, despite all the politicizing and the and the and the gaming and you know being playing that three D chess game, he he's doing it because he fucking loves it. Not yeah. because he's like because he's Aspie, right? Like he's probably got he's probably got some learning disability that just makes him really good at just fucking people over. <laughs> Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, there's yeah. like some. There are like some like people on the spectrum that that, that like there's like a small slither that they're like don't adhere to like any social norms. Like really good at fucking people over. <laughs> they're just really good. Oh, at yeah, doing they that. just don't care about that. Um, the repercussions of some of the things they do or say. Yeah, that's like that's anyone. I mean, it usually holds them back. But like there are some who are like oh they can game it. They true. Game, they they know how to get through it. Yeah, you think Deacon was that guy? Yeah, I think he was. I think he was uh, ahead of his time. Oh, absolutely. Anyway, this anyway, isn't about Deacon. This is about no, Joe. Comes, comes up with about... Um, Mr. C-O-O-K-E. Um, no E. No, I know. Produced. That was the joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm embodying Joe. I'm a humorless... All right, yes. Yeah, I'm getting serious now because he's becoming prime minister now. So, he's again, he spent so much time on being opposition. He's in... Two Deacon Ministries. Still sounds weird to me, but yeah, it's in two Deacon <laughs> Ministries. <laughs> and then 
he so Deacon so Deacon's done his last term. Fisher's in again, mm-hmm. um, and Deacon's like I'm done. Retires in January 1913, and Cook puts his hand up to be leader, and he beats Forrest as I, as I said before by one vote. One yeah. vote for leadership of the lead, of the Liberal Party, and they're still in opposition at this time. But do you know who else beat their competitor out by one vote? Who? John Snow. He beat him. Sir Alistair. That's a good pull, actually. <laughs> That's a really good pull. <laughs> you laughed at that. You thought it was going to be something. Yeah, I was like, I was ready for uh, like some deep. I was like, oh, it's, uh, it was uh, Menzies versus Hughes. I don't know. Would I, yeah, that would be so good. Like, I'm learning on, on, on the side. The days between podcasts, I'm like... Just smashing the... Just do it for one one podcast. I'll, I'll surprise you. It won't be the yeah. next one. It might be, not be 10 from now, but it'll, it'll happen. And I'll be like, oh, I am so surprised. I could do it. Like, I'll do it the other way around. <laughs> Jack just, Lang. Just, I'll just do the one on Jack Lang because he's a fucking... He's the guy Yeah, we could do a special. About. Yeah, we'll get to that era. Give me season finale of that era. I don't that. Yeah. So so there is a fe- there is election coming up. So he gets elected in Jan. There's a federal election coming up in May. This is 1913. Um, and he wins. Labour Party lost its majority in the House, though it kept control of the Senate, which is not great, because then you can't really do anything. Um, so, can I just say that is a dumb political system where you can you can win, but you don't like win because the other part of the the other part of the political system isn't doesn't belong to you, so therefore they'll just block you because they can. I kind of like it because, like, you would love it if you're in that position. It's like <laughs> you're a leader, but you got nothing. You can't do shit. Because no, if they wanted power, they would have won the actual leadership. I feel bad for the leader who has to walk into that shit, knowing like, that they're uh, not going to do anything. Yeah, like, nothing's going to get done. Oh, great! I'm prime. It's like becoming a tennis player. Just as Federer was coming in, like you're like, great. Yeah, <laughs> I'm really good, but this guy is a god, and I'm never going to beat him. Yeah, and they also controlled the upper house by only one vote, so that was. So Senate couldn't didn't control it, but you only controlled the upper house by like one. So it was pretty shaky. Yep. Um, so became prime minister, um, and this was twenty two years after his first election to represent Labor in the New South Wales Parliament. So he's racked up some some experience so far. It's really interesting for like, especially for like for maybe the first ten, like. Because a lot of them, more most most of them had experience in federal politics. Each one's got more experience on top of the other. When you think about it, oh yeah, that's true. So until think, yeah. until the last one who started it dies, yeah, they've all they're all developing at the same rate, kind of right. Yeah, that's they're interesting. All, yeah, and and this, uh, apart from Deacon, who got to govern outright for the first time ever in the history of. Australian politics, you know, and this is like, like nearly four or five years before that, before Cook comes in. Um, yeah, he, he's gotten a lot of, he's got 20 years experience, not, not federally, but like enough, a lot, a yeah. fair, fair bit under his that, belt. Yeah. A lot of opposition though, which again, hardened him. Yeah. Um, so yeah, couldn't do anything. Um, uh, Couple of things that happened during his um, tenure, um, he really didn't like the Combank. <laughs> he really did. In August nineteen thirteen, um, his government planned to take the Commonwealth Bank out of the savings bank business, 
but the required legislation had not passed that the house before it dissolved um so yeah he was he was just not into the commonwealth bank i don't know why it doesn't go into exactly with the reasons why but he described the commonwealth bank as a wicked and costly and unnecessary proceeding however it was there and they must make the best of it is this the same Combank com that we have yeah. now, or is this like the equivalent of the Reserve Bank of Australia? No, nah, it's the Commonwealth Bank. <laughs> so yeah, he had some strong strong opinions, and also World War One is looming as well. Oh yeah. So he's only in for a year um, before he triggers a, a double. It's the first double dissolution that he tri- he's triggered the first double dissolution ever Australian political history okay so just refresh me on double dissolutions actually no i'll say it again let's just refresh our listeners on what a double dissolution <laughs> is chris well i have explained it a, a number of times to our listeners if you listen back to episodes i think two three and five i may... <laughs> i'm never gonna re-listen to it just tell me what a fucking double dissolution is so it's basically when um both sides of when they can't do anything they can't get anything done so they they yeah. just shake up right that's right. So yeah. they can't get through the oh, no that's bills all are being passed. Yeah. So they go to the governor general and they're like, okay, you need to dissolve both houses and we'll go through, go through an election. So they go to the GG. That's GG what says, fucking sort your play toys out, you bunch of kids. No, this time he's like, all right, it, nothing's happening. It's, it's a two-party system now. You guys should be able to work it out. But no, okay, well, let's dissolve both. So they do. They go, elections slated for September, but in July, so September 1914, right? But in July, World War One breaks out, mm. um, which gives Labor an opportunity to campaign on that's on their kind of more solid credentials. I guess. Well, I don't know what credentials they had, but like they, they definitely campaigned on whatever experience they have in leading Maybe a nation during a war. I don't know. Ball war, you know? I don't know. When was the ball war? It was before. Yeah, but, but I know it was before, but like... It was before, it was before the Federation. Yeah, but then, you know, did they have a significant amount of war heroes in their party and they could piggyback off that? Or, I don't know. Anyway, move on. Well, Labour was like, they were against... Um, most of them were against compulsory uh, military service. What the draft. Labour was. Yeah. Um, Second Boer War was uh, 1899 to 1902. So before hmm. the election, before the double dissolution election... Cook, one of his last acts was as Prime Minister was to pledge his government full support for Britain. So it was him that kind of started the, the ball rolling uh, to like commit everything. Set the tone. Yeah, I can't remember where. No, it was Fisher. It was like it was every last man and every last shilling that they were going to commit. So Labour, that's that was what Fisher, because Fisher was um, the Labour uh, leader, leader of Labour Party, so he was campaigning to get back in. And so he's really pushing it as well. Like he's like, I'm going to commit everything to this war. We're gonna, we're gonna really go at it. Um, yeah. So that was the last thing he did. So yeah. So he offered to um, transfer the Royal Navy to the British Admiralty, Admiralty, and offered to send a contingent of twenty thousand volunteer troops overseas. So yeah, he was he was into it. Um, but uh, sadly, he didn't get it. September comes around and he gets slaughtered. <laughs> it's really? It's a huge landslide against him. Yeah, Labor wins by a massive amount. Fish is back in. Um, um, they've got 
they win, I think they got like 10 seat, they got 10 extra seats above in uh, above liberals in the lower house and they own the Senate now. So they can do what, so Fisher can do, kind of do what he wants now. Right. Um, Which is probably what you want in a time of war too, right? Yeah. You yeah. want to have absolute power so you don't have to, while also having the pressures of having a war going on with your you know country a bit taking part in that war. Yeah, I would I would not want to have to fuck around with other things. <laughs> you know, I've got that on my mind. Um, but other things he did quickly, I'll, I'll just mention before we wrap up um, that he did during his time. Yeah, he did the Defense Act of nineteen oh nine. Defense Act, eh? Yeah, he first up. So he was the first Prime Minister to trigger a debt of dissolution. He also got the ball rolling on um, Northern Territory development. So in nineteen fourteen, he announced a policy to develop a settlement in the Northern Territory. But World War One kind for of for indigenous. I don't know. It just said. I, I, I didn't oh, and this is just for the Australian population. This is yeah, I think he. Well, yeah, I don't think he. Yeah, I don't think they were really thinking about this. Yeah, <laughs> I was probably yeah, <laughs> jumping ahead there. We probably haven't even got to the stolen generation yet, have we? Uh, not really. No. no, it's probably starting. It's a couple of decades away. Oh uh, yeah. It's probably. It's probably, probably have to cover that. You know, just so we can dispel. Um, not to spell, we can probably just like cover off in our white privilege. For <laughs> um, yeah, as I mentioned, he's the only prime minister who isn't represented in a electoral division, um, except for yeah, there was one called Cook, but it's named after Captain Cook. Um, yeah, but I think in two thousand, I think it was last year, um, the I think AEC, the Australian Electoral Commission, I think they were gonna go ahead and name one after him but they, they nothing no nothing nothing's ever happened yet <laughs> no, no one's ever no one's followed that up yet <laughs> no one's like really pushing hard for it i imagine yeah there's probably like two people in the australian government that even care about that shit another reason why we don't know much about him is he ignored all requests to write his memoirs and he destroyed many of his personal papers god he was really just a sad sack like yeah, I don't fucking want anyone to look at my shit. Oh, and this is... So I researched this ages ago and it completely slipped my mind. And I wanted to talk about this more than anything. His son <laughs> served in World War One, right? Yeah. So as a major. This is a really cool story. I should have started with this. Um, his son, he got shot in the head at the Battle of Long Pine and was wounded. Well, so, yeah, that's what happens when you get shot in the head. Usually you die, but he was oh, no, wounded. He was, okay. he was wounded, yeah. Sure. Um, and so he was sent back to Egypt to recover. And so his wife was in Australia... And um, I think from, I don't think I have it here, but um, to enlist as a nurse back in the day, if you wanted to like serve in World War One as a nurse, like if you're a woman, you wanted to kind of do your part. They wouldn't let married women or young women do it. You have to be a widow or a certain age to serve as a nurse. <laughs> so <laughs> Cook is prime minister at this point, right? Yeah. And so I think he just let her go. He's like, yeah. So she wanted to be with him because she knew he was wounded. Like huh. his son's wife, and so I found I found like um well like he used prime minister privilege to I think so yeah because there was like letters I found when I was doing my research like of her requests to go over there and I think it was initially denied and then they I think Cook had written her a letter and I think it was like yeah it's all fine just go, just go be with my son um and there's photos of him and her like of the son with her, her in Egypt in Egypt like yeah. on the top of the fucking great pyramids yeah, of Giza. <laughs> Um, I thought that was really sweet. Yeah, yeah, and you, yeah. There's there's photos you can find of that. As sweet. Well. I don't know, but it's definitely an interesting interesting use of like power. Yeah. Like, no, 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 no. 
you have to be a certain age and a widow, blah, blah, blah. Oh, wait, but you want to go see my son? Okay. Go yeah, on. I think that's nice. I think that's a nice little thing. If, you, if everyone's going to abuse their power, I think that's probably one yeah, reason. It's probably. Look, it's probably a victimless crime. Uh, and then two, one, two little things I want to mention. He was the only, he's only one of two prime ministers to serve as treasurer before, um, after he held a high office. So he, huh. yeah. He went back yeah, to be treasurer. I couldn't and do he it. didn't want to do it. He didn't want it. No. He just, he's just like, all right, fine. And he's by accounts one of the most obscure prime ministers, but I think by the very fact that he only served for a year and a half. Still longer than some of those. I was going to say, he's, he only served once, though. <laughs> but I think this is like, he's like middle, like he's like sixth prime minister. Uh, yeah, like sixth or seventh, right? Watson, I mean, even though he only served much, much shorter time, he was like third. So he's got some prominence, right? Um, yeah, he just didn't get that at all. I think it's because his personality too, because like, um, he was physically robust, hardworking, tall, strong, uh, he did not swear, did not drink, had no time for frivolity, not interested in sport, <laughs> no dancing time. or music. He's like basically the dad from Footloose. He opposed Sunday opening of Taronga Zoo, lest it distracted people from church because it was they wanted to launch it on Sunday. Jesus, <laughs> this guy. But he was known outside the parliamentary chamber for his good manners, with a cheery smile for friends and a tranquility of soul. Good on you, Joseph. And there we go. That's, that's uh, Joe Cook without an E. Well, now without an E. Yeah. Is that it? Well, yeah, look. You well, know what you should do? You should... Are we finished? Yeah, let's, let's, uh, yeah, let's leave it there. Wait, did you turn off the mic yet? No, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> so you just like... I want to. You want to touch your computer. I thought you had paused it. Now we're still going and this is going to be in the podcast. How, how is that an outro? Jesus Christ. Alright, you're in charge of the outros. Go. Dado. You put me on the spot. Bye.